With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, that's going to be another tough one away. Um, I haven't played at Murrayfield yet, so fingers crossed I can make that. Oh, fuck. Oh, pardon, pardon, pardon. Apologies. So hello and welcome back to Rock and Roll. Joining me as always, a woman who this week found out when we said we could offer her six figures to co-host this. We meant plastic 90s wrestlers. So it does include Brutus the Barber, Beefcake Troop, Superfly, Jimmy Snooker, and both the Rockers. And it's better than anything the WIU are offering at the moment. Patricia Vieira, hello. Hello. I mean, they would take pride of place on my shelves, as you can see behind me. Don't worry about it. I'll find room for them. <laughs> They're actually in a wrestling rucksack from like the 90s, which has got uh, Al Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, and Legion of Doom on it for anyone with like a, a 90s throwback. <laughs> None of which would win in a Royal Rumble against Derry Lake, I still argue. Um, and I guess for tonight, a man who does brave things and not just being a voice to help those with mental health issues, but also as a Liverpool and a Wales fan coming on a sports podcast this week. One of the bravest things you've done, Rob, how are you doing? Rob Shorten from... <laughs> Thanks for that intro. Yeah, yeah, not the greatest four weeks when it comes to rugby and not the greatest, well... Yeah, since probably around about August time, I've been a Liverpool fan. But yeah, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Looking forward to getting stuck into this. Yeah, no problem at all. And we'll uh, we'll delve a little bit into loose heads later on. Uh, before that, we'll, we'll delve straight into the news. Um, I mean, it, it's very similar week on week as the way we're going now, Patricia. So I'm sure you're well versed in exactly what we're going to do. Um, it's every, we start- week, every week, it's, let's, let's get into the news. The WRU are at it again. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to go with the good news or the WRU? But we'll dive into the WRU then. Just so, get it over and done with. Because we're just saying the same shit every week. They're just a disgrace. Like, well, you it. say that, but the shit is getting deeper. Like every week we're, we're stepping one step further into that creek without the paddle. And Jesus Christ. So this week, um, Wales players talking about a £220,000 Pay cut a year, which is fun. 
Yeah, so, just take a, a, a 90% pay cut and at the end of it, you still have to play regional rugby in Wales. <laughs> yeah, imagine having to take that much of a pay cut and still having to live in Newport. Like, that's <laughs> not fair. I, I say I love Newport. We've talked about this before. Um, but it's we're beyond the realms of madness now, aren't we? Just nuke the fucking WRU at this point. There's actually just no purpose to keeping this going like they it, every week we just say that they're not fit for purpose and that everything they're doing they're doing wrong and they're handling it badly and there's like we're like fucking broken records at this point but there's there's nothing you know nothing has changed in the last week in that regard and um, it's just becoming increasingly clear that they don't want there to be four regions because if they're if they wanted them to, there to be four regions they would give them the money they like the money's there they're just not giving it to them so I think that, you know, we probably will see the end of a region, whether they manage to survive another year, we'll just be saying the same stuff this time next year anyway. So I don't know. I think at this point, it's not a region that needs to go. It's the union, but they're obviously holding on for dear life because they, you know, they're the ones having the money and building the hotel and all that stuff. They're having their nice corporate lives. No one's one's suggesting that any of them are going to take a 90% pay cut, but um. But the players are being expected to do that. And honestly, like there won't be a player left in Wales by September. And they won't, even the ones that are left, there won't be enough to make squads anyway. So just looks like every week it's like, oh, Welsh rugby has hit its lowest low. And then we come back the next week and we're like, well, it got worse. We Every time we're at the bottom, someone picks up the shovel and keeps digging. It is <laughs> unbelievable. Um, I will say... Um, You've made me think with if we're going to nuke the, the WRU, is that what the roof is actually for? Is it the final defence against any form of attack? We hadn't realised. I mean, having watched this week's game, some defence against a form of attack would be would be great. But um, yeah, I'm just... fucked if they had tried to nuke the place when the roof was only half closed there that day in the autumn <laughs> when it broke. It would have been big trouble. I mean, it would, I said it would have knocked up the uh, the Wales Online articles as to whether the roof is open or closed. Well, it's open a bit. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> I will say it's given us, though, perhaps as well, the best partnership that I can think of, which is Ross Moriarty to Bayonne. They just seem to marry up so well. I can't think of a player who feels more sort of that kind of French club. He, he that that's a, an attitude he fully buys into in it, Ross Moriarty. You can see him strangling an Argentinian in French rugby, no problem. I feel like Bayonne are like the pro D twoist top fourteen club. Yeah, <laughs> so it, just, it makes perfect sense. But like, we're going to see a lot of that. We're going to see a lot of you know senior players leaving Wales, younger players leaving Wales, and just like the player drain is going to be. I don't see how they're going to sustain it, to be honest, um, unless there's a major sort of rollback from the union on something. But like asking guys to go from 200 grand a year down to 30 is kind of unacceptable. And I mean, all that being said, it's still, you know, everyone's talking about how unacceptable 30 grand contracts are. It's still obviously double what the uh, IRFU wanted to offer their women's players to be professional. So like ultimately, you know... (laughs) The money's there for the things they want the money to be there for. And it doesn't appear that the WRU want the money to be there for the regions without sort of realising that Wales won't exist without the regions. 
well, and this is the other thing. And yeah, okay, we're going to look at people have talked about well, if we lose a region, then we just redistribute this money across across three clubs. But that's not how it works because then you lose. They're not good. They won't do that. Yeah. The money will well, go and, to and, another corporate day out for the WRU. It's completely impossible to do that as well because you lose your prize money for one of those regions. You look, you, you lose your partition participation money, your TV money, your judgment day money. Like that's not that simple anyway. And then it really pissed me off this week because last week we had the news, or maybe it was the week before, like it all blends into one big fucking mess at the moment of like players who were talking about their mental health struggles and that them what they are struggling with at the moment, to then tell them they've got to take a massive pay cut with next to no time to adjust to that at all. Certainly isn't helping that in the slightest. Robbie was the a, a good week to have you on with regards to that as well. But I know you're you're a, a Welsh rugby fan despite being the other side of uh, of offers Dyke living. But how, how do you feel at the moment as a, a Welsh rugby fan? Um yeah so I am half English, half Welsh and um yeah so my my mum's side is all Welsh, my dad's side all all English and I I decided well I think I got pushed into it by my grandparents um and my mum <clears throat> taken to Cardiff quite a lot when I was younger um sort of I like the color red more than I like the color white um but also I just I, <laughs> you know I've fallen into that and um you know I, I've always supported Wales but I guess yeah in the last well the last couple of years it's probably been in, in terms of the pitch it's been um it's not it's not been attractive rugby to watch um I guess but I guess in terms of what you're you're talking about I have to stay a little bit on the fence given that we are hopefully going to be working with WIU, um, up, you know, in, in the next few weeks, we've, we've got a few chats booked in with them. So I need to sit completely there on the fence. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, uh, that's as far as I can sort of go. But hopefully, you know, we can, um, you're talking there about the mental health, um, not just of the players at the top, but throughout Wales and the community clubs and the grassroots clubs. And that's what, we're, you know, what, what Lucid is all about. It's all about um, normalising that conversation. Um, that is around mental health and um, normalising, you know, tackling the stigma, breaking down that stigma that that is attached to, to mental health. Yeah, um, it, it really didn't help this week to pick up, and I know it's sort of Satan's like the context. Sam Warburton's um, article that he wrote this week, where he said Welsh rugby's in dire straits. Here's how I would fix it, and the first thing was. Give the WRU full control of the regions. <laughs> I was like, read the room, Sam. <laughs> like, when, yeah, what? I think time and place. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was. Well, I'm sure it was well-meaning, but it's not the time to press publish on that, is it? <laughs> Just think, like, yeah. Of all the times that Sam, have you not even opened Twitter recently? Like we, we uh, anyway, we we love Sam for everything he's done in a whale shape, and I'm not gonna. I'm not going to piss on him for that one. Um, I did say we had some good news. We've got the news that after its two-year review, it looks like the women's lions or the lionesses, as it's almost inevitably going to be called, are going to happen. Uh, South Africa yeah. or France looking like the likely opposers. South Africa or France? It was Canada. Canada, Canada France. or France looking like the likely opponents. We excited? Yeah, fucking hell. Can you imagine? That's going to be so good. 
I started thinking about like, and we're obviously all against, you know, naming your Lions teams two years out from a tour. But also I started thinking about like a Linda Dugang, Neve Jones, Sarah Byrne front row. And I was just like, right, this is me set for the evening now. I'm going to start thinking about combos that I want to see. Like my, uh, you know, my Maeve O'Goleary, Sadia Kabea, you know, Poppy Cleal back row. Like I just, that's just straight away what you think of. And it's obviously massive for the game. The big issue I think that a lot of people flagged straight away was, well, England are so much better than all of those other teams that until that gap closes, you know, you're not going to have, you're going to have a very England heavy squad and you're not necessarily going to have a competitive tour if, which I don't think is necessarily very fair because like we've seen, we saw in the World Cup, Canada were very close to beating England, France, were, have been very close to England over the years and nearly made it to that final. They were a kick away from the final. So, but but in terms of between sort of Wales and Scotland and Ireland, they need to catch up to England a little bit before um, it might be like entirely, you know, able to make a squad that's like really representative. But like Lions squads are always, always favour one team, one country, like depending on who's who's playing well. But like it was mainly just thinking about, you know, David Parsons, Abby Dow and Jazz Joyce playing in the same team just made me so happy yesterday. Like that's that's all you could think about straight away. It was like, who do you want to see play together? hundred percent I'm with you. And you know, as you said, Lions teams are generally representative anyway. Like even in the nineties, there were Scottish and Welsh players being picked. <laughs> so I think if if we can if we can get through those dark times, then uh yeah, 100%. I can, I can see it being... It's not... I know people will see it as well. It's just going to be sort of 12 English players and then three players thrown in for good measure. But I don't think it will. I really don't think it will. No, I don't think so. And I think I like the fact that they're looking at Canada and France as opposed to, you know, making it South Africa, Australia and New Zealand, like make it a separate thing from something that's already as established as the Lions is. I think that we've seen with... Um, Obviously, it was COVID enforced initially, but moving the Six Nations so that it's separate from the men's tournament, because they obviously used to run at the same time on the same weekends, has given it such a like a stage to sort of shine on its own and not be, well, I can't watch this game because it's on at the same time as Italy, Scotland in the men's tournament or whatever it is. So I think separating the the two slightly, even though they're obviously similar tournaments and like they're building on established concepts that we've had in the men's game making them separate and different and having them sort of shine on their own is huge and I think that um, it's really interesting having them play Canada and France who are sort of more they're further along than yeah. say the the Australia and South Africa teams which are which are so new and uh, like they're on the up as well but it's it's yeah I thought I thought that it was it was a lovely thing to read and it was I think that the way they're talking about doing it sounds like it could be really amazing. Yeah, I agree. And you talk about the, the move in the, the Women's Six Nations. I think it's like, for me, I'm already starting to get excited about it now. Because before, mm. it was kind of, I don't want to say tacked on, but like be, for me, because I grew up watching men. Well, it would end up being women. secondary just because there's so much rugby on. And yeah. like, you're, you know, if you've been watching, say like, I've been watching Ireland's men's team my entire life. I've been watching Ireland's exactly. women's team for, you know, six or seven years. But like, you're, you are going to default to the team that you've watched for a longer time and the players that you know better and the ones that get the bigger platform, they have more people there. 
they get more money you watch their club teams play every week so like having it out on its own means that when it gets to the weekend you can devote your full attention to that weekend the same way as we do with these weekends in the men's tournament so like I think it's I think it's been massive the last few years moving out to Six Nations I agree. The men's game, it, like, it was easier to get into because it was more accessible because you knew those players, you watched those players week in week. Yeah. What we've seen is by moving that and then bringing in this whole new content through the likes of TikTok and Instagram and the documentary. But, well, actually, this has become more accessible in a different way. And I think we've got mm. the men's game kind of playing catch-up now because that's why we've got this Netflix documentary coming out. Well, guess what? Like, the way we were doing that, we were doing that last year, we had BBC documentaries on, on the, the Red Roses and We've had players on TikTok. We've had that being um, what was the, uh, what was the Shauna Brown one? You know the one I mean. Oh no, no woman, no try. No woman, no woman, no try. That's the one. And mm-hmm. and so like the the women's game was kind of ahead internationally on that front because actually we we've already seen behind the scenes somewhat in their game. We already know these players for the people that they are rather than the players that they are. And so I think they were they were sort mm-hmm. of pushing that side better than than the men were and. We're, they're playing catch-up now. I'm really excited for the Women's Six Nations this year. And so if we get a good Six Nations and then we get a Lions tour on the back of it, well, guess what? I'm, I'm fully in as someone who's kind of... Yeah, I think, like, I wouldn't have been pushed going to see Ireland play in any of their home games in this Men's Six Nations. Um, But I bought my ticket to see Ireland play the Red Roses straight away. I was on that, like, from Osgrave Park. I, you know, check out immediately. Um, so like it, it like it does build excitement and you know talking about there's whispers about like a, a women's URC some sort of equivalent tournament yeah. for you know the like the provinces I don't know what the the situation is regionally in Wales I think that I'm assuming bad because they can't even keep the men's regions going I don't think they're going to be particularly arsed about women's ones but um like there's, they're talking about some sort of a URC style thing so having that come in and then having a Lions tour you know it's just moving the game forward and I think it's I think it's super exciting as well as just being like oh my god I'm going to get to see you know these players and these players all play together like I can't, you think about the talent and the fun players to watch there are across those four teams you think about putting them together and I know that a Lions tour is not like a fantasy team where you just pick your favourite players but also why can't it be yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it should be. Is that your earrings tapping your earpods that's making the noise? Oh, it might be. Do you want me to take them out? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's what it is. It was just like a, a tapping noise and I was trying to work out what it was. And I was like, is it it? Is it I'll a take them out. The it might be. <laughs> Professional. Professional. I might leave that bit in, you know. Nah, <laughs> it wasn't that still tapping. I don't know what it is. Um... <laughs> Is it me though? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't even know. I find that are you I'm not technical enough to work out who that is. It could be any of the three of us. Oh, I feel like I'm oh, calling well. your man on the traitors now. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on. I guess. <laughs> oh, we'll have to cut all of this. <laughs> what this is better than half the content we've brought other week. Shut up. <laughs> uh, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, so I think that's it on a quiet news week, unless you've got something else. Yes, no, well, sort of, kinda. Are we throwing it in you, Marcus Smith? Let's throw it in you. Okay. So Marcus Smith has been sent back to Queens. Is this right? Is this a sign that he isn't going to play, or that he is going to play? Do you think? Ah, uh, Steve Borthwick said that it's not a sign of anything, but I know that in Ireland, players don't get sent back to play for their province if they're going to play in the game the following week, because Gavin Coombs is back playing for Munster. So and like you know, the, the fucker's not getting any Six Nations time. Let's be real, but um. <laughs> The, fa- the fact that he's been sent back and George Ford hasn't when George Ford is on much less game time would lead me to believe that George Ford is going to be straight back in in the next game, which doesn't necessarily surprise me. I think, you know, Steve Borthwick knows him and trusts him. He's going to be able to do whatever Borthwick wants him to do. I think that from the last two games where Smith has been on the bench, the minutes that he's gotten would sort of lead you to believe that unless he's starting inside Farrell, Borthwick doesn't necessarily trust him or have a use for him in whatever system he wants to run. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw... To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Farrell start at 10 again in the next game and then maybe Ford Farrell for the last game against Ireland. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he just went, right, Ford is playing 10 now, Farrell's at 12, and push Lawrence out to 13, and that's what we're doing. So... I think that we'll see George Ford in that game. And I personally feel like if George Ford is going to play, he's not going to have Marcus Smith in the 23 as well. There's no need for three tens in, in the 23. So I don't know if Marcus Smith is potentially maybe on the back burner for a while now. It's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? It's going to be a very interesting one. Especially New England play next. That's something I feel like I should know. France? France next, isn't it? Because it's you, Scotland, and it's us against Italy in the... Well, yeah. I can't say that's a wooden spoon decider. It feels like it's decided. <laughs> like that's it. Um, Even if Wales win that game, Italy still don't get the wooden spoon, in my opinion. <laughs> it's a very. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. Like when, um, well, I was going to say like when Scotland lost this week, but why not? Was we doing spoilers? Um, and Greg was saying, "Oh, well, we can still." win the title like we'd be still confident to get a little bit like that they lose go well you know we're still only even if that I mean chances are they're going to pick up a bonus point so they'll be like right we're only we're only two points behind we can still do this it's not a worry um we've... yeah I think that we'll see George Ford and I and I, I don't think that's necessarily surprising either um I I'm excited by it but I don't think that it's a huge it wasn't a huge shock I think that we were sort of always looking at with Borthwick coming in as soon as he was ready, he was going to get a go because he's George Ford and he's a you know he's Leicester's George Ford. Despite the fact he plays for sale now, it doesn't matter. He's Leicester's George. He Ford. still is Leicester. He's Steve Borthwick's Leicester's George Ford. Exactly. So yeah, like I I think that it was, I think that we we probably could have seen this one coming, but it's interesting how unsettled England are. I think at this stage of a tournament in a World Cup year? Uh, yeah, we'll go on to the, the Wales-England game in a bit. But, yeah, like, 
that was another reason. Do we, do we have to? I know, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, it's been very difficult doing this podcast with an Irish co-host for the past couple of weeks. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. But before we look at last weekend's games, Rob, we'll do a little look at you. So, your year as the creator of Loose Heads. So, first of all, can you tell us what, what Loose Heads is? Yeah, of course. So I'll take you back right to the start, give you a little bit of an insight into who we are, what we do, and what we're trying to achieve. So um, five and a half, nearly six years ago, um, three of us, uh, me and my dad, a good friend of ours, talking about our rugby stories, our rugby journeys, um, in our local rugby club bar, all good rugby stories start at the bar, don't they? This one does as well. Um, but more importantly, it was about people that we met along the way, and we'd all had mates that had had, we described it back then as a bit of a life wobble. And we felt like we couldn't do anything positive for those mates, other than, I guess, that typical bloke thing of asking them if they fancy another pint, which doesn't really help. It paints over the cracks and, and that impotence drove us to form what is now Loose Heads. Um, it's been a, a, a hell of a journey. Um, you know, we sort of, we know rugby, well, we think we know rugby, but mental health has been a sort of a steep learning curve. Um, two things, I guess, we realised when we first started. One of those is that, because we aren't the experts, we can't get into the cure space. So what we do at Loose Heads is we work within, we call it the Loose Heads Square, which is prevent, promote, educate, signposts. That's what we live and breathe. Um, that's that, they're sort of our four key pillars. The other thing that we realise quite quickly is that nobody wants to talk about mental health. It's just the way that, you know, it's the world that we live in. So we're trying to use rugby as that vehicle to drive and open up the conversation. We also try and change the dialogue a little bit more to talk about mental fitness. We know that you know, the term mental health has such a stigma attached to it, even though mental health, mental fitness, mental well-being, they all mean the same thing. So if we can use mental fitness, mental well-being, and change that dialogue a little bit to put a positive spin on it, hopefully that, that starts to normalise the conversation as much as possible. And I guess using, like I said, using rugby, rugby is that sport that has the togetherness, the camaraderie, the clubhouse feel. You walk into any clubhouse in the world, you've instantly got a load of new mates. So we wanted to use that community to do something positive, a little bit different in, in that mental health space. And that mission, um, our whole mission is to place a mental health lead at every rugby club in the world. So a bit of a bonkers mission, I know, but, um, <laughs> you know, we, we started this out, we started this out as a, as a UK focused mission, but quite quickly we realized that there was a demand and an appetite for it worldwide. So, you know, we've got 750 rugby clubs signed up now across the world. Uh, most of them are UK, but sort of dotted around um, and then we give them access, to, you know, to a, to a free toolkit of resources to ultimately start those conversations, tackle the stigma and, and normalise the conversation as much as possible. Um, are you surprised sort of how much people are talking about this? I'm, I'm going to offer Saturday. Um, I spent out with some friends uh, and some teammates that were there. Uh, there were seven of us and then five of us ended up talking about sort of mental health battles we've had in the past. So do you find that people are opening up and talking more now? And does it surprise you? Because it, it, we've talked before about sort of the toxic environment that sport can be. So uh, what's your experiences around that? Yeah, I think, um, first of all, when we first started this, we thought there's got to be something out there that's that's happening already. And there actually wasn't, there wasn't anything going on um, in the rugby space, that is. So we were firstly sort of shocked about that, I guess. The conversation in the past five and a half, six years since we first had that conversation at the end of a bar, it has started to become a bit of a conversation, probably not a normal conversation, but I think, um, 
you know, a lot more people are talking about it. I think, especially off the back of COVID, um, you know, th th we had probably a, a lot more people during during those times, during the lockdowns, get in touch because I guess they realised that they wanted to belong to something a little bit bigger than themselves, wanting to belong to that community. But yeah, in answer to your question, I think we have started that conversation now, and I think there's a lot more awareness. I think it's now on us as, as an organisation, but also us in the wider sense, our community, to sort of have a look at what's next, um, that next step. You know, we, we know that we know it's there. We're now talking about mental health, but what do we actually do next? That's that's the big sort of next step for, for us. Well, that was going to be my question. What is the next step? But I suppose uh, you're still working that out yourself. Um, you've got quite a few big names attached that you, you've worked with or you, you're planning to work with. I, and it's always a two-part question. So first of all, can you just tell us some of the players that you've had previously working with you? Yeah, of course. So we've got a whole host of ambassadors that are sort of the top fight players at the top of the game uh, that give us that reach and exposure. Um, we first started out with Sam James at South Sharks. I played with him at school and um, sort of told him a little bit about our idea, which definitely wasn't what it is now. Um, you know, <laughs> when we were sat with him in, in Cafe Nero and sort of told him, but as a, a true rugby mate that's worn the same colours as me, he just said, yeah, whatever it is, mate, I'll, I'll help you out. And from there, it sort of snowballed and he got his brother Luke involved and Tom Cruise and then sort of snowballed even more and he got Manny Suolangi involved. And as a Welsh supporter, we've got, um, you know, Gareth Anscombe on board, Callum Sheedy, Hannah Jones, um, you know, in, into the women's game as well. And I think, you know, that those... 35, 40 ambassadors that we've got, um, the, the men and women at the top of the game that, that give us that reach and exposure. It wouldn't be what it is without them. Um, they've been superb for, for giving us that reach, like I say. And then we've got we've actually got two panels as well. So we've got the rugby advisory panel, which is made up of people like Craig Doyle, Maggie Alfonsi, Nolly Waterman, um, Ugo Monia, um, the open doors for us in that rugby world. And then um, we've got the mental health panel as well. So I said it before, we aren't, we aren't the experts, so we need to partner with people who are. So 14 people there that, that sort of keep us on the straight and narrow and um, give us that help, support and guidance in the world of mental health and mental fitness. Amazing. And the second part of that question, of all those players that have been involved, which one would you least like to tackle? <laughs> Manu Tiralangi. Yeah, I, I was looking on the website again earlier and I was like, yeah, it's definitely Manu. There's absolutely no way I'm sticking my head in. Manu, it's got to be but, <laughs> um, yeah. I, you've mentioned Cafe Nero so I'm going to ask you the question that we always ask everyone for once I'm not going to say it's the most important question but what's the best biscuit? The best biscuit? Yeah Best biscuit that's such a good question that is such a good question and, and, so, and a question that I should definitely know the answer to and I, I'm struggling here but I I quite like, I'm going to be quite boring here and say a bourbon. I actually love a bourbon. Yeah, it's a brilliant answer. We've been to this. The bourbon is the underrated biscuit in, in terms yeah. of quality yeah. and value. Yeah, people think that they need to come out with a big, you know, out there answer, but actually just stick, just stick through. And, and Cannot beat a bourbon. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Um, before we leave the, uh, the loose ends chart behind and delve too far into biscuits, uh, where, where can people find you on and loose heads, Rob? Yeah, so we're we're across all social media and, and our website. Um, so our website is www.looseheads.co.uk and we are at loose heads 
on social media. And that's loose ends with the Z because we think we're pretty cool, but in reality, we're not. <laughs> we'll um, we'll check all the the links as well on the bottom in the in the description, um, so people can link straight to. And hopefully soon we can get some uh, we can get a new page from the website and we'll link through from there for you as well. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Um, Thank you. Now on to the difficult bit. Shall we talk about last weekend's games? Well, I think we had two great games, and in between them, just a lump of shit. <laughs> like there was, it was like the nicest. Like if you're talking about a sandwich of games, like absolute fucking unbelievable, like best spread you ever had, and then just absolute shit in the middle of it. Do we want to go? Do we want to start with Ireland and go on from there, or do you want to do? Do want to do them in a crazy so we order? Literally do the shit sandwich. Then shall we? Shall we do good, bad, good, and we'll do the order? Yeah. Um, Ross Byrne is the slowest international rugby player in the world. <laughs> oh, right. Ireland are now three games unbeaten in the Six Nations. Only you could have started on a negative. In fairness, did you see him get absolutely gassed by Melanchello? <laughs> like, I don't know if he, like all of us, got sort of bombarded by Brian Habana's opponent who was slow on the turn ad and got inspired by the wrong part but <laughs> I think that Italy were super unlucky to not win that game arguably Italy should have won that game um, they certainly didn't deserve to get no points from it I guess kind of like Scotland that's sort of what rugby does sometimes um, I think if if Brex doesn't kick that ball and passes it instead, Italy probably go on to win that game. I think the margins were actually that fine in reality. Um, Ireland were Ireland were all right. Like it wasn't necessarily that Ireland played extremely poorly. I think Ireland are at a stage now where they're missing a lot of players, and for all the sort of talk and stuff that you do about depth, you know there are so like there comes a point where. You, you know, there's depth and then there's, we're missing, you know, Furlong and Tygburn and Sexton and Gibson Park and Henshaw and Ring. Like, you know, eventually the list gets to a point where it's obviously going to affect the game. Um, And while I don't think that by any stretch, some of those players should just automatically get their, their jerseys back. I certainly don't think that Gibson Park is, well, he probably is guaranteed his place back because that's how it works. But I think that Casey and Murray have both impressed in the tournament so far, Re- like really impressed. Um, but like I thought that Ireland were were grand. I thought it was, it was a bit of a waste, I guess, in a way, in terms of some of the selections and some of the like the way the players have been used. I don't think that there was any reason for Ross Byrne to play the full game. I think, you know, you had a competitive tight test match where you weren't necessarily on the on the back foot, but you weren't the momentum was swinging from team to team. Why not give Jack Crowley the experience in a World Cup year of closing a game like that out? Um, why do you give a bench space to Pedro Mahoney? It's not like you're you're not learning anything new about Pedro Mahoney. 
um when that 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 spot could go to someone who could get more experience like there's things like that but in terms of the game itself like absolute cracker of a of a test match but yeah I don't think it necessarily taught us anything about Ireland and I think it sort of proves the point that we were making about Italy for the first two games that had Garbisi been involved you know Italy Italy are probably not sitting on zero wins in this tournament I thought Italy were great value for you know a, a scoreline that that definitely I don't think reflects how well they played. Well, I was going to say, do you think you're doing Ireland a slight disservice on Italy one? Because like, this, this isn't the Italy that we like. How great are Italy now? You you put you oh yeah, up. like it's these were two these were two very good teams going up against each other, and obviously we're looking at Italy works. We're extremely close to a version of this podcast where we're talking about the fact that Italy have beaten the two best teams in the world in the Six Nations so far. Like, the margins are so much finer than I think any of us thought that they would have been at this point. Um, I don't think that Ireland played poorly at all. I thought that in certain aspects of the game, they weren't as good as as they usually are, I guess. But I think that that does come back to, like I said, selection stuff. You know, you Ring Rose is, is such a pivotal part of this Ireland team and losing him, that reshuffle in midfield where... I, and like, I look, I joked about Ross Byrne. I don't think that Ross Byrne played badly. I think that Ross Byrne played as well as he is able to play at this level. Um, and I think that had Ireland had any of the other 10s in the squad starting that game, including Joey Carberry, who's obviously just been brought back in, I think that they win that game much more comfortably. Like, I think that Ireland were, were a bit flat. And I think that, that a lot of that came through 10. And it's not like Ross Byrne played as well as Ross Byrne can play. Um, I think that he's he might just be a bit slow for this level, but it's it's a thing of like Ireland were grand and Italy were very good, but Italy left more chances out there than than Ireland did. This is not a game where it's like, well, if James Lowe could finish, you know, Ireland would have absolutely battered Italy. Like I I think it's probably the other way around. I think Italy are are the team who will feel like this will feel like one that got away from Italy. I think. Italy feel like they're kind of in the place that Scotland were in a couple of years ago where they were playing good rugby but couldn't quite get the wins on the board bar one or two. And mm. like we've seen what Scotland have done from there, like how they've built on a on a outstanding 10, a, a talented running fullback, and then a pack that does this job. And it feels like Italy are getting closer and closer to that being the case. And then you slot the other positions around them and so like I say Brex looks a very good player at centre it kind of feels like Scotland where they were where they've got where we've got our mainstay players we're competing in games now it's just filling out those other couple of positions that mean we compete week in week out yeah I think they've been coming on for years and I think that they're leaps ahead of they were ahead of where they were last year even even in a way that like I don't think that anyone thought that they would be this much closer than they were last year um and they've been they've been really good like it almost it feels almost more likely that they're going to end up winless this year than last year which feels so unfair because they're playing so much better and they've been so close to beating you know the two best teams in the world and they're not fading out of games the way that they used to after you know sort of 40 or 50 minutes and yeah I think like they're they're so close and there's almost like there's almost nowhere to go. Like you just have to wait for them to get there, and they are they are getting there, and they are going to get there. Um, I think that 
the thing that sort of showed it for me there was a point in the first half where they had a five meter scrum um attacking five meter scrum and they didn't score from it Ireland ripped the ball back and that was sort of where you were like right in a year's time or two years time that doesn't happen things like that Italy will score from those and that's when you start to get you know the the tournament is more competitive this year than it ever has been and I think that it will only get more competitive over the next sort of two three four years but it was hard to feel it was hard to feel anything but upset at the end of this game even though you know Ireland's Grand Slam is still on track and all that but I wanted Italy to win that game so badly by the time when they got they were like when the scoreline really narrowed in I was like but what if Italy just you know what if Italy won now that'd be the best ever but not to be this time but I thought it was an excellent game what a start to the weekend I don't want to keep saying this but you are the worst Ireland fan ever like you I'm 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 not an Ireland fan. I'm just Irish. <laughs> I'm just Irish, not like rugby. It's just like the two things are coincidental. Um, yeah. James Lowe is on fire. It, is he? Prove, proving doubt is wrong. I mean, yeah, he is. He's going tries left, right and centre. He's he's dropping the ball over the line left, right and centre. So he lost two in that game. He lost two in that game. His foot was in touch against France. Um, look, I call it anti-James Lowe. I thought he was grand. He's, he, you know, he's a big, he's a big winger. He's the biggest winger in Ireland. And he, like, he answers the question, what if Duhan van der Merwe wasn't fast? <laughs> I think he's faster than he gets credit for. Again, I think it's that safe test. Thing. He's not. He is. He's I faster. Mean, he he looked faster in this game because he was running next to Ross Byrne. <laughs> well, he's he's got, got, he's like got the biggest left foot. Say again. He's, he's got the biggest left. He's got the biggest left foot. Oh yeah, you can't take that away from him. The boot's unbelievable. That's why yeah. he can't run very fast because. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I say, I I I don't think that Ireland, like. This is not one of those games. I feel like in the past when Italy have gotten close to teams, it's always been, yeah, but there was huge rotation and it was a poor performance from the other team. I don't think that that was, this game was that at all. I think that this was a really, actually really evenly matched test match and Ireland pulled away at the end in a way that feels unfair towards Italy. I thought it was, I like, I don't, it wasn't, Ireland didn't play badly. Um, and it was one of those where it's like, there's probably, you know, 10 or 11 teams in the world at the moment who are all much closer to each other than sort of rankings or like history might might tell you. Unfortunately, Wales are not one of those teams. The only no, 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 no. God, no. The only way I can see us beating Italy at the moment is by dragging them down to our level, which is... <laughs> uh, you have mentioned, without doubt, though, the highlight of the Ireland-Italy game, which was Mark Hansen's interview... Post match. Oh yeah, which was love when a player drops a fuck on television. What more can he say? <laughs> Especially when he follows it up with the word pardon five times. <laughs> it was like he really went in every letter of that fuck got its own moment. Like he he enunciated the shit out of that fuck. He was like, if I'm gonna curse on television, I'm gonna give it my all. And you know, not 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 since not since Paddy fucking Patterson have we seen an Ireland player. Give it that much stock swearing on TV. So lovely to see more more of that, I say, throughout the tournament. It, it was the face that he pulled 
as soon as he said it as well that really topped it off. That that face is there's something about Irish rugby players and their faces in in press conferences and interviews. We, we... Oh, we haven't talked about the the most important part of this game, which was the uh, all time great rendition of Ireland's call beforehand. Say that again, sorry. Uh, the the all time great rendition of Ireland's call that we had before this game. <laughs> that was magical stuff. I will say that um, a lot's been said of that of of Wales the last couple of weeks, and so an anthem does not win new rugby matches, is what I've learned. Um, no matter how well you sing, it means back all when you get started. So they followed it up and backed it up. So that's, uh... I just liked that you know you had Ireland players openly laughing at it in the line, like when they went when they zoomed in on Craig Casey and Pete Romani, and they were just they were just wetting themselves. Like, what more are you supposed to do? I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> um, shall we move on then to uh, what what the the shit show that was the Saturday evening kickoff? I'm not saying the evening anymore. This is going to be my, but that's going to be one one of my biggest complaints as well. I, I'm that it kicked off at four o'clock. Yeah, right. I'm not one of these people who's anti Friday night games. I'm not one of these people who's anti Sunday games. I just don't think there should be a Sunday game every week. But I'm okay. fine with putting one there. I'm fine with having a Friday night kickoff. This this across the two days weekend of rugby thing is. is I'm not a fan. I don't like this. Oh, game. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was always a myth, but you know the whole Wales and France are the only teams that agreed to play on Fridays thing. Yeah, they must have got Ireland to sign that agreement because the tournament's opening on a Friday next year. Ireland France first game of the tournament Friday night. I'm gonna say this: uh, if you're watching from home, Friday nights are the best games. I love. I love when months. To be fair, Monster are playing Scarlet this Friday. I love when. Um, when when rugby when the weekend starts on a Friday, especially when it's your team, because yep. if like you get you get to watch your team first, and then you have the whole weekend all of the other Jeopardy, games. Yeah, all the Jeopardy's taken out of those games. You know yeah. exactly where you stand. You know whether you need to wind people up or shut up. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm all for a Friday night game, and I don't mind a Sunday, but not every week. And the, these quarter past four kickoffs are a pile of shit. I will say not to get ahead of ourselves, but if a game's going to be on a Sunday. Like the Sunday at three PM kickoff has to be the silliest game of the weekend, and by God, did we did we get that this weekend? Well, I'm going to say not only is this is how bad a quarter past four kickoff was on a Saturday. Okay, so we went out, we watched the game, the game finished, and then the wheel came on, and we're sat in a bar with Michael McIntyre's the wheel on, and I, this <laughs> this is not. Uh, this is not a Six Nations day out. This is not how it works. And we had to actively go to another bar that wasn't playing the wheel. Like, that's <laughs> that, that. That's not how your night should finish. I want to be, you know, in the thick of it, have a few drinks in. We've just watched our third game of the day, and then we're ready to go out for the night. It was it was bonkers. But moving on to the show. Do you want to rant about, I was going to say, do you want to rant about Wales' rugby playing as opposed to just the scheduling of the Six Nations? Oh, I'm coming to that. <laughs> I am because I honestly believe this is the worst run of performances Wales have put in since certainly since 2007 at best possibly since the late 90s just even in 2007 right when we when we lost to Fiji 
it was still a fun game. And we didn't particularly perform against Canada, but at least we had we had something to give. But some people say, oh, it was entertaining because it was close, but a close game doesn't make an entertaining game. Just because there's tension doesn't make it fun. I mean, the soul to our, our, our I, I didn't think it was, it was, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think it was entertaining. No, not in the slightest. As a, as a, as a neutral, I was practically asleep. To, to throw to the, the horror conversations we often slip into, this is like watching The Martyrs. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Like, it gets <laughs> tense and stuff. Oh, my God. It's like, a, it's difficult to guess when I don't like the end. Like, this this is, it was awful. And we, we spoke to people who are more knowledgeable, I would say, than us, than me. Um, who've agreed with the opinion, but I think Gatlin wasn't the guy to come back in. I think sort of the tactics were on the back end of the curve in, in 2019 and the quality players and Sean Edwards that dragged out wins and all you that the players have been running to the ground and Sean Edwards is living the eye-left guzzling waffles in Rome with the rest of the French <laughs> team. Uh, the only time Wales looked after some was in broken play. Uh, I don't think it's any coincidence how try come from a pass that shouldn't have been given, like it was an intercepted pass. Louis Wissamit is literally waiting there with his hands out for it. It, it shouldn't have been thrown. <laughs> it was that was bad play by England. It's, it just everything looked bad. The contact area is shit. But I also think like they've brought in a contact area coach, which is at the bollocks. Like anyone who's ever been part of the contact area knows that's either coming in as part of your defense or part of your attack. That's your shape. Oh, you can bring well, in Josh a Gardner, our friend, our friend Josh Gardner made a very good point about that, and he was like, "Is that potentially why that's going so poorly? Is it? Are they like in terms of the contact area? Are they being overcoached because, no, because they're I, focusing on such minute stuff that they're sort of losing sight of that as a part of an overall game?" No, because I think a lot of it comes down to as well just being in the wrong place at the wrong time, and so like the I contact think, area coach. Uh, uh, what 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 is he actually coaching? Like, what is he telling them? Like clear out what 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 is a contact area coach? Because it, they should know their basic body positions. I know you'll still coach that week on week because even at the top level, rugby is repetition. So coaching is always going to be going through the basic stuff over and over and over again. And so I, I don't fully buy into this over coaching thing either because that's exactly how you get things right. Like you watch the All Blacks, and I know all right, maybe they're not the greatest team in the world at the moment but they are coached to within an inch of their fucking life. So they know exactly what's yeah. happening. All right, maybe you'll run through a hundred different scenarios, but essentially they, they do the minutiae a million times. And that's why when it happens in a game, you react perfectly because you've done it because you know. But I don't understand what a contact area coach does that's not being done anywhere. Like that's your attack and your defence. Like that's your shape. And Wales coming in and not clearing out or not having anyone there to clear out is... It, it's a, a bollocks thing. I, I don't think it's even a position. I don't understand why it exists. I don't know what it brings. Like, it's, it's just your contact. It's your clearing out. But Rob, was, do you it, want to have a, mo- a, moan, a moan about Wales before <laughs> I can cut him off and sort of disagree with him I wanna, a bit? I, I want to go back to talk about um, the wheel. Michael McIntyre's wheel. <laughs> 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 no, I think, yeah, it's just been... Uh, 
I'm, I'm actually fed up of um, like talking about it because it's just it's, it's diabolical. As it a really Wel- as a Welsh but, and an English person, are you happy with anything? He's happy with the wheel. When it comes to sport, I don't support England at all. By the way, okay. um, I, I've never I've never supported them. Um, Good. And that's why, yeah, I, I get I always get very excited because Wales versus England obviously is a massive game anyway. But in our family, it's it's, it's massive. Like my my parents both met at a rugby club, so they're, they're you know rugby sort of runs through the family. It really does. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was even stupid enough to even cheer the the, the Louis <laughs> Rees Summit interception try and. And it's it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? But um, I even properly cheered that standing in a pub in uh, in Bristol with a load of English fans stood there in my Welsh top. So that was a pretty stupid thing to do. <laughs> it would at the moment in a, a a very dull game in every sense of the word. Like it was it was dull as in it was boring as fuck on one hand, and then it was dull as in it was stubborn to the point of stupidity, like. They were losing. Do you want to know? Do you want to know? Do you want to know what I think? No. Okay. (laughs) Go on. Go on. I I just think you're being really fucking melodramatic, to be honest. Like it is just not that serious. I think that Wales and England are both bad, right? That's sort of we can agree. That's without with without question. Like they're they're that was two bad teams playing a bad game of rugby, right? You know, at halftime in that game, Wales had scored 20 points in 200 minutes of Six Nations. It's kind of unforgivable stuff. Um, I think that, I don't think that there's anything sort of fundamentally broken with Wales, though. I think that they are bad and like maybe they're just bad for now. That's that's fine. They'll be good again in two years time. Like there's ebbs and flows. And like, if you're going to be bad for a while, they'll get good again. I think that, their kicking like their kicking game was really good in this game and once like it's not related to the fact that they couldn't score they couldn't score because they couldn't score but they didn't kick badly and i think that when you take into account how sort of psychologically drained and just not in the right place they probably were before this game and everything that you were saying about Warren Gatland i think is probably valid but at the same time I don't think he's had enough time for you to be able to sort of say that it's de- it was definitely wrong to bring him back. We don't really know what he would do if he wasn't having to do, you know, if he wasn't having to be snarky about the fact that his players want fair working conditions in, in the news and his columns. Um, we don't know what Wales would look like without all of this hanging over them. And you bring in the fact that, yes, Warren Gatland has coached them before, but it is still a new coach and a new coaching setup, like you say, without Sean Edwards, without Rob Howley. I just think that Wales are just at the, they're at a low now. And that's sort of how it works. You know, Ireland had theirs in 2019. Wales are having theirs this year. You do the up and down and, you know, they things drop down and then they come back up again. So I think that, I think that there is, there's stuff worth sticking with from a Wales point of view. Um, and this, likewise with England, I don't think that England are a fundamentally bad rugby team. Like they're, they're again, disjointed from, from a new coach coming in. They're not playing well. Um, Ollie Lawrence was sort of the, the bright spark, I think, I thought for England. But, you know, I, like, I don't think that there's, 
anything fundamentally broken and with Wales I don't think that there's anything that time won't fix you know stick with Hawkins and Grady make some decisions stick with Hawkins and Grady if you're going to stick with them start Christiansen every game for the rest of the tournament if you're going to stick with them and sort of commit to what you're going to commit to and it will get better in time it just will it's not you know what, what I, I, like I just I don't think that I just think that you're overreacting slightly I think the most frustrating thing though is that it's the the I get the ups and downs but the fact that this down has come in a World Cup year. Oh, That's like look, I, I, I'm an Ireland fan from 2019. Yeah, yeah, I understand yeah. the frustration. Trust me. Yeah. That's I think that's just the most frustrating thing. As a supporter, you wait for the World Cup for four years and yeah. you just expect, even if you're losing, you just want your team to be looking like they're going into a World Cup full of confidence. Um, and that's probably the most frustrating thing. Yeah. I, I, I just think, think that I think that they're at the start and it's it like likewise with England, it's it, it's very unusual that we would have new coaches and new setups and that sort of disjoint disjointed like nature of teams coming this close to a World Cup. What's happened sort of in international rugby over the last few months is obviously very unusual. So it, it, it like I understand how frustrating that that must be. Like like I say, I supported Ireland in two thousand and nineteen. I know what it's like thinking you're going grand into a World Cup and and the wheels falling off very very quickly. But um. I just, I like, I think it'll come. I think that, you know, it'll be like, probably a bumpy 18 months, but. My favourite thing about your counter then was you started and me and Rob both leaned towards our mic like we were poised and ready to reply. <laughs> I, um, I, I'm going to counter your counter with, I, I think you're wrong and everything is fundamentally broken at the moment. I can't see one ray of light. I, I, the kicking game I thought was Fucking prepare. I thought it was awful. I thought England was savvier than us in saying they put blockers in, which is exactly what you should do. People were saying, oh, well, like this is yeah, it is illegal, but that's where you play the game. Um, I don't think I, the kicking game was entertaining, but I think that what they were trying to do worked. Work. It didn't it didn't work at all. Nothing came of us kicking. We created nothing, we won no penalties, we didn't compete. I think that if worked. Wales if Wales don't kick the way that they kicked in that game, England probably win by like 30 more points, honestly. I think I think it's also a sign of just how bad we are then if the only thing we've got is, well, let's just stop England scoring lots of points and we'll just lose by a few points instead. Um, yeah, I think that that, that's... My okay. final points, I'm, I'm claiming my podcast back here. Before I move on to my final points, I won't be told I'm overreacting by someone who's down on Ireland's performance when you beat France, by the way. Like, I'm <laughs> claiming that one back. But no, I thought everything we did, we did without any real enterprise. Like no one really took the ball on with any sort of momentum. Everyone sort of stood still every time they came. We got hit behind the game line so many times because of it. And, and all mm. the power that we just looked so passive in that area. And I now think Gatlin's comeback might be the worst comeback, even worse than Guns N' Roses and Sean Edwards' slash. Like, that's, that's, I, I don't like... I, I... I get what you're saying about, you know, if Wales can only sort of stop the other team attacking, but they can't attack themselves. Like, I, I agree with that. I, I just think that the, the way they kicked is not related to the fact that they can't create and score tries. They're sort of two different issues. And obviously it's a problem that they can't create and score tries. I'm not trying to say that I think Wales played well or are a good rugby team, because I don't think either of those things. I just think that... It, there's no there's no solution to it other than give it give it some time um and I think probably the same is true of England I think England are probably a couple of steps 
better than Wales in that regard. Actually, probably quite a few steps better than Wales in that regard. But um, I just think that I just think that they both need time, and I think that Wales need more time than they have, obviously, for this World Cup. Um, but I like I don't I don't see any sort of glaring. So it's in, certainly in terms of selection, I don't think there's anyone who Wales could select or not select that would like automatically fix things, except maybe Derry Lake. Like Derry Lake coming in makes Wales a better team. But other than that, you could say like, oh, is Alan Jones finished? We have this conversation every eight months or so. So like, I, I just think, think that... Derry Lake yeah, on. only adds um, our sleeves looking better. That's the only <laughs> thing because I think Ken Owens was actually one of our better performers and like he put himself around. Our lineup still isn't working, but nor is anything else. So I'm not going to pin that on him. Like the guy put himself everywhere on Saturday, made a million tackles, having just taken down a, the union in crisis talks, like I say, and with the greatest put down ever on the back of it. Um, so yeah, like I, Dewey, I'm a big fan of Derby Lake as well. We know I'm actually a big fan of quite a few of the Welsh players, as as we know. But I, as much as I love Derby Lake, I would love to have him there to, to come off the bench behind Ken. I don't think he's he's the saviour of Welsh rugby. I don't think he's going to change anything. I think he's just we look. You're a big fan of um of of Kirby Myhill, is it Kirby Myhill fan account? Oh, I didn't say all the Welsh players. I'm saying <laughs> a lot of Welsh players. But yeah, for me, it would it was. And, the and England deserved to win in they looked the better team they looked savvier than Wales I, I it was a terrible rugby team a terrible rugby game between two bad rugby teams but I just don't think that it was as and I, I also daisy think, as I also think it proves what I've been saying about the pivot era as well because I, I don't think it's that the players are not there now I don't I think it's that those players have never actually been there and the biggest mistake yeah. was not having the bollocks to stick with the kind of rugby he wanted to play, which he started to play for a few months and he was getting closer to getting there. And we had a we had a few defeats and he shit himself and went back to Warren Ball by Wayne Pivak, which was never going to work. And then they went, oh, well, it all let's bring Wayne Pivak in to play Warren Ball. Oh, let's bring Warren Gatland in to play Warren Ball. And it's, it's just it's not going to work. Anyway, shall we move on from that shower shit and talk about the, the Sunday game? Because <laughs> that was fun. I love Sunday at three o'clock games when they're like this. It's the absolute like perfect time for there to just be a silly test match. And I think that two red cards in seven minutes or whatever it was constitutes a silly test match. It almost felt like the whole game was played in 10 minutes. And then you looked up and there was two red cards and still 75 minutes of rugby left. It was magical. Um, I thought that... First of all, like talking, if you talk about the red cards, I thought the refereeing team were really good, except for when he tried to say that Mohamed Awas was a low degree of danger. And to have Carol Dixon come in and be like, are you sure about that, my guy? Um, but I think that like if you look at ref teams working together, because that's what they're supposed to do, like assistant referees are supposed to challenge the referee if they think he's getting it wrong. And we often see them just sort of leave him to it. And had that been given as a yellow card, it obviously would have been a massively wrong decision because he just sort of flying nutted him in the ruck for no apparent reason. Other than, I don't know if Mohamed Hawass has something personally against Scottish people. Like, this is his second red card against Scotland. Um, maybe it's like a, a personal problem. But, like, I think that I thought that it was handled really well from a refereeing point of view. In like, so often we would see the assistant referees and the TMO say nothing in that situation. And just that would have been given as a incorrect yellow card like after that 
things just went absolutely mad. It was so much fun. I could have watched that game forever. I wish that game was still on now at quarter to nine on Tuesday after kicking off at three o'clock on Sunday. I'd watch that game forever. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, it, it was a joy. I didn't get to watch it live. So I did that thing of avoiding the score all day. And I had failed to mute one WhatsApp group chat. And so I seen a message pop up that said, oh, the Scotland fella could be in trouble here. And so I was like, shit, I need to mute that group chat really <laughs> quick. So I went in and muted it and avoided the score for the rest of the day. And then we were in the car and... Emily checked the uh, fancy rugby points and she was like, oh, that's interesting. And I said, well, that's a that's a Scottish player sent off. Then thanks for, I've been trying to avoid the score. <laughs> I put the game on and obviously that happens like five minutes in and I was like, well, that's that game fucking ruined. And then within five minutes, and we then... got another red card. I was like, let's get it back on. <laughs> Anything could happen, you know. I feel like it was like it was like the Italy game in the regard of Scotland didn't deserve to come away from that game with no match points, like from a tournament point of view. You know, they were sort of minutes and meters from from winning it. And to for France to score at the end then and for them to end up with nothing just sort of felt <laughs> felt really unfair. Um I thought that, you know, Gregor Townsend called it the best performance that Scotland have put together this year. I think, yeah, maybe it was in terms of it's the strongest team that Scotland have faced out of the three. But I thought that in the second half, especially, they sort of reverted back to, you know, Scotland of years past in terms of they were chasing the game a bit too hard. Um, and Finn was Finn was trying to go maybe ever so slightly too Finn to actually win them the game. But um, I think ultimately they put themselves in a position to win that game after being 19 points down on the back of a red card and I think that Scotland still Scotland still have a, a huge shout of winning this tournament and you know if they beat Ireland in in two weeks time we're in for a hell of a final weekend it's a shame that that's not a grand slam decider now in Murrayfield but I thought it was oh it's just a, it was such a silly game it was a perfect silly game I loved it that, that's the way rugby should be now this is the front of the curve we've talked about this Rugby chaos and rugby fun is now what wins teams' games. And that's why Wales are so far behind. Because this is it now. This is rugby and they need to embrace it. And maybe it was Rob Howley who was making the difference. And we said we he invented <laughs> rugby chaos and everyone else has taken it to the next level. And Wales have somehow been left behind. So we, we need a bit more of this. I, I'm now saying, regardless of whether he's forcing or not, Finn is the best 10 in the world just because I want to watch Finn Russell play every week. Oh, just how much smiling he was doing. Like when he starts smiling like that, you're just like, something's going to happen. And I don't know whether it's going to be the best thing I've ever seen or the worst, but I'm going to love it equally, whatever it is. I just I, like, I there's very few players that I just want to watch as much as I want to watch Finn Russell. I, I seen a video this week that was talking about DuPont's ankle tap on him and how amazing it was that DuPont made that tackle. 
I go, is everyone missing the fact that he then offloaded that ball <laughs> to play outside? Like it was an amazing, it was he was super. There was a, a 40-20, uh, not 40-20, I've gone full rugby league. There was a 50-22 um on about the quarter hour mark, which was majestic, mm. which again just got completely like brushed over. Like it was as if it's just expected of him now, maybe, because I was so excited that I'm not even Scottish to watch that 50-22. It was insane he just sort of I know it sounds mad to say right but he just sort of did it like there was yeah. no build up there was no like he looked and checked and, and everyone else spotted it and he did it. it just came to him and he did it and I, he's so casually so like weirdly yeah, interested in the way he moves a great word because do you ever like watching him do place kicks like his, his body is so like limp like he doesn't doesn't look like he's sort of <laughs> ready and then he just just does it. It's it's so he's 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 so wrong looking. He doesn't yeah. look like he should be able to do all that. And then he just does it, and you're just like, I want to watch you do this forever. But I don't know where France are. France bad now. Like, did France peak too soon for the World Cup, or like what's going on? Because they're definitely their defense is definitely not as good as it was last year, and they don't look as sort of well. They're obviously not on unbeatable because Ireland beat them but they don't look as sort of all conquering and all encompassingly brilliant and just like leagues ahead of everyone else like they did last year I don't think Um, yeah, maybe we don't know which France is going to turn up when it comes to the World Cup and that that's what we've been missing um, it's come full circle on the Finn Russell thing he looks more like he should be the front man of an indie band like he looks like he should be in the Arctic Monkeys, or maybe as far as Baby Shambles. He just kind of looked, he's got that look. His, of- his, ba- his band name would be the Macaroni Pies, and you know it would. <laughs> that's my that's my photoshopping done for this week. I'll make, <laughs> I'll make a note of the Macaroni Pies album cover that I need to make. Um, yeah, I, I, I just love everything about him at the moment. There's nothing about him that's not enjoyable, whether it's on the field or whether he's juggling flames or just everything about him is just so fucking lovable. And I tell you who suddenly, I tell you suddenly, fucking class, Hugh Jones. Yeah, like I just think he's having such a good tournament. He, he, yeah, and maybe he just needed a good centre partner with him to to bring that out in him as well. Because yeah. he's never been. I think. I don't think he's ever been don't... a poor player. He's, he's just mm. never at the heights that he quite is at the moment. I think Scotland sort of, like I say, reverted back to sort of trying to win the game as opposed to like just winning the game. Like they were trying, they were out, like they were out on their arses by sort of 70 minutes. Like they were really having to try to chase the game in a way that I don't think suits them. Um, they sort of fell back into the trap of trying to do a comeback as opposed to what we've seen from them in this tournament where they've come out really strongly and, and been ahead. Um, I, I don't see any reason why they can't beat Ireland. I think that that game is going to be huge. And I think that, yeah, this, there's still all to play for in this tournament. You know, like we're either going to see an Ireland Grand Slam or we're going to have a, a day of massive, you know, maths and calculations. And if, if this team beats this team by this number of points, this will happen. Um, so yeah, I think that it rounded off a well, it rounded off a two-thirds really excellent weekend of Six Nations games because, like I say, Wales did play in the middle. 
Um, but like, yeah, it I was. Think Wales didn't play in the middle. Like, absolutely <laughs> rugby at any point for like 80 minutes on Saturday. I thought they didn't go on strike, etc. <laughs> I did say like they may have to weigh up whether they, they would be 28 points or more as to whether the strike may be beneficial to the WIU. Uh, as it turns well, they only out, lost by 10 points. Yeah, I was going to say, so they, they did all right there, but it was bad <laughs> for everyone else who had to sit through that shit. We might have got a double bill of the wheel. We might have, <laughs> they, they might have chosen to fill in or a, a Michael McIntyre's big night in or whatever the fuck that thing's called. I want to see Peter Crouch being woken up at midnight by a trumpet again because that was quite fun. I watched that the other week. That was that was good fun. It was certainly more fun than that was. <laughs> Is there anything else to add about last weekend's games? I don't think so. No, thank God for that. Um, I'm going to quickly do my Netflix pitch because I've realised my my okay. Netflix pitch for this week is uh, Mad Men. So a mysterious and erratic men try to guide a large company to its decline from its AED, from 1960s attitude, sexism, racism, animophobia. I haven't really need to change anything and we know exactly what I'm talking <laughs> about. So. <laughs> so we finish off with the <laughs> winners and wankers. Yeah. Um, as always, we'll start with our wankers first and then we'll finish on our high. So, Patricia, can I have your wankers? Yeah, I'm not going to say the WRU, even though it is the WRU. Um, it's it's Mohamed Awas, because however bad Grant Gilchrist's red card was, his was worse. And it's not the first time he's done it. And it was just, it was so egregious. Like, it was just so clearly a red card. And what what do you gain from flying headbutting your opposition scrum half at the Rook? You know, maybe he just wanted a rest. Uh, like he was done after seven minutes, whatever it was, just no need for it. Just absolute dickhead move, really. Uh, Rob, your your wanker for this week. Uh, my wanker of the week is myself for cheering that literary summit. Hope, but also doing it in a pub full of English people. Um, I think that makes you yeah, a winner, to one, be yeah. honest. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Not sure about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't want to go with the obvious as well because can I say, can I, right, I'm going to say my one because of the old WRU regime and put it to the doubt, the benefit of the doubt that things are changing because. I'm hoping we're going to see green shoots come through somewhere. Um, but, then, but then we're not. Um, I'm going to... <laughs> like, I, I really don't want to do this every week because I want to have some sort of belief and now it's this starting to, to really irk me <laughs> because I think as it... Like, I know people who work for the union who are really good people and I know things that go on. I know things that happen in the community that are absolutely superb. And and like we've got Rob on this week who's talking about doing things with the WRU. And so the people that he's working with are fantastic because this is exactly what we wanted to see from the WRU. And so the problem we've got is actually below a certain level. It's a fucking fantastic organisation. And I'm kind of pissing myself off coming on you every week and going, it's the WRU because it's not. It's a thin band of the WRU. Um, so I'm going to make my wankers this week Facebook. Because somebody 
tried to sell a hotel on Facebook Marketplace this week to fund the players' game, and somebody now has 25 days to reply before their account gets closed down. <laughs> Hotels, they don't go on Facebook Marketplace. And I don't gonna, I'm not gonna speculate as to who that person may have been. His name on, on Facebook is apparently Dow Jones. But that's all I'm gonna say <laughs> is that person, it was a <laughs> it was a joke that was done while he got ready to go out for coffee. <laughs> so uh what? <laughs> I had fun. Uh, <laughs> I, the, the person who added it on Facebook Marketplace was originally going to add it on eBay until he seen that any bids that come in on eBay, even if the product was taken down before the end of the bidding, may actually then have to pay for the cost. And I was like, "Yeah, I put it for fourteen million. So, um, I mean, they put it <laughs> for fourteen million. Um, and I thought at least with Marketplace, if anyone rings up, I'm going, yeah, it's not real, mate. So, yeah. Um, on to our winners for this week, then. Patricia, your winner. Um, I've got two winners this week, uh, both quite monster-centric because that's the, the reason you. you might care about. Um, first of all, is a, just a direct quote, really, which says, RG Snyman returned to training with the squad in recent weeks and is available for selection for this weekend. Woo! War is over, etc. RG Simon is officially back. Looks like he's going to play on Friday night against the Scarlets. And you know, whatever jokes you make about, um, you know, the last two years and and the, you know, he played for five minutes and then he was out and then he played for you know twenty more minutes and then he was out and then he burned himself and all this. Uh, you just think about like from a URC point of view, having a player like that back, you know, that we're able to watch him play is a massive boost for anyone who wants to watch games, you know, on his day before those injuries, one of the best players in the world. So I think we're all excited to see him again. And for the guy himself, you know, you think about for a sort of 26, 27 year old to have been out for as long as he has been with the the two injuries and the sort of the way he's had to come back from them. There's been a really good set of videos on Access Monster, which is Monster's like subscription video service. Um, not an OnlyFans, because that is, as soon as you say subscription video service, it just sounds like you're talking about OnlyFans. <laughs> but they, they've sort of spotlighted him and and his recovery and stuff. And he's, he's been so sort of positive throughout the whole thing. And you just, you can't help but root for him, I don't think. No matter who you support, like you're just rooting for him and you want you want to see players like that come back and, and have an impact on the rest of the season. So Orgy Simon, first of all, and, and the other... The other one for me, I had to take the opportunity to shout out John Ryan. Um, he made his debut for the Chiefs at the weekend in Super Rugby, which I don't know if that suits a player like John Ryan. So don't do a lot of scrums in Super Rugby and, and he loves not scrum. But he left Munster sort of, you know, at the end of last season to play for Wasps, you know, explore a new league, all of that. Um, obviously, then the unthinkable happens. Wasps go bust. In between having no club, he plays for the Barbarians. Then he comes back short term to Munster, racks up his 50th Champions Cup appearance, his 200th cap, and then gets to go and play Super Rugby this season, now until June, and then come back and play for Munster in September. And I just think that playing in three of the biggest four leagues in the world in the one season and getting to come back twice to Munster, getting your heroes come back, I just really love the way he's approached this season and the way it's, it's worked out for him. So I think John Ryan. John Ryan's my winner every week because I just love the guy. But 
John Ryan, especially this week, because he made his debut for the Chiefs in the Super Rugby. Fair. Uh, Rob, your winner for this week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I'll also pick two, actually. Um, You can pick R.G. Simon and John Ryan, too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but first of all I'll pick Ollie Lawrence and that's because there's a lot of English players that I like but once they pull on that sort of red rose I sort of automatically hate them but Ollie Lawrence is just a bloody lovable bloke and I wouldn't say that about someone who scored against Wales um, and celebrated like he did but I just I just think he's a brilliant bloke and I think um you know, after what's happened with Worcester, and he was sort of the, the, the guy who came out and spoke to the press, spoke to the news about it all, and it's just really nice to see him playing good rugby with a smile on his face. I think um, he's he's a winner. And then uh, the other one is Michael McIntyre, just to give him another <laughs> shout out on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we have done more advertising for Michael McIntyre than the BBC has. Now this is. Um, <laughs> I personally don't stand by it. I've got this thing where I find Michael McIntyre unbearable as a comedian, but I think he's pretty good as a presenter. He kind of fills that that niche quite, he kind of feels like an old school TV presenter. Like Jim Davidson was all right on Big Break. It was only when he was doing stand-up he turned out to be a racist bigot. Like, you can be two separate, but I'm not saying Michael McIntyre is saying that your comedy might not be funny, be presenting still all right. And I quite I quite like him as a presenter. It's kind of silly, no nonsense Saturday night telly. I was fucking better than Wales, England, to tell you that. Um, <laughs> my my winner for this week is uh Ken Owens because he led the strike, then made like the best statement in front of his boss, having just like held out and almost hated the then he led the team. He led from the front on Saturday. He, he led the the uh, the anthems. I, what a guy! I think he's had a fantastic week in a week where everything else around him sort of falling to shit. So uh, my winner for this week is Ken Owens. That, that amazing! What a guy! When I grow up, I want to be Ken Owens. Yeah, this is. Um, he viewed my LinkedIn profile last week as well. How weird is that? I was I was really shocked. I was like, "Aren't you leading a strike? Aren't you playing in a really big game this weekend? Why are you viewing my LinkedIn profile?" Quite cool, but um, yeah. <laughs> but he's like, he, he was, was looking off, for it. He was looking for it. He was like, "Right, what am I going to do if if we do go on strike and have all this free time on yeah. on Saturday?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I see that that will play for the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they've opened up applications for Another season two show. of the Traitors. They have opened up applications for season two of the Traitors. Are, apl- are you going to apply for the Traitors? No, I've got two kids. I think uh, I, I can't be away that long to film. But uh, I'd love oh to, gosh. if not just to meet Claudia Wingleman. I love Claudia Wingleman. She's amazing. Do you reckon we could get her on this? Well, Wingleman? Yeah. I mean, I'll give it a go. I mean, I'll, I'll, 
I'll have to start writing questions for an either or to start it off if we bring Winkleman in. <laughs> like turtlenecks or fringes. Head, I, um... head and shoulders, head and shoulders or other shampoo. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I want to see that. I want to see, I, I want to be part of that. And it, there was talk of there being sort of a, a Welsh version of Traitors, which would be hilarious because Amanda was amazing in the first season of Traitors. Let's be honest, she was she was the one that I loved. I particularly loved that, um, the people's understanding of what being Welsh is is so shit that they said, um, I think Amanda would know about pigs because she's from Wales and so she probably knows about animals. And like, she's from Swansea. Like, that is a city. So what does it make us know about pigs? And aren't we famous for having sheep? Like, what the fuck did that come from? So, yeah, it, it was a, an eye-opener for what people think of Wales as well. Apparently overrun with pigs in Swansea. Um, anyway, I think that's a place to leave it before we go for, too far down the rabbit hole or the pigs day. Um that's all that's left is for me to say my thank you. So thank you as always, Patricia. Thanks. Next week I will be replaced by Claudia Winkleman. Oh, look, I wish. Um, thanks for joining us, Rob. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. No problems. It's great having you on. And finally, of course, thanks to you for listening. Cheers all. Bye now. You've been listening to Rock and Roll. If you've stuck with us this far, leave us a review. Follow us not just here, but on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And drop us a message. You're a pretty friendly bunch. It'll be great to hear from you no matter what you want to say. And we'll see you next time. Thanks very much for listening. Bye for now. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.